My name is Thad. Thanks for being here. And uh, uh, good stuff as we've been walking through this series called Through and having a chance to really discover what it's like to walk through life with people and to be the ones that stick with individuals, no matter the mess, no matter the religious spirits that come against them as we're trying to just like authentically do life with others. And, uh, and today I want to take a little bit of a, a turn and I want to talk about the subject of, of how do we, no matter where we're at in our faith journey, stick through life with people that are facing injustice. And how, how can we dive into this subject and what application can we find from Scripture that can, can help us practice a life that would kind of uh, run towards the darkness, if you would. I want to approach it today a little differently. Uh, this is, I'm going to approach this like an old roommate of mine used to make her Folgers Crystals instant coffee. Um, it, it, it was kind of a funny situation, lots of dumb blonde jokes. And we, uh, w- but the one that caught my attention that made me think of it during this message was uh, watching her make coffee one morning, putting instant Folger crystals in a, a coffee cup, pouring the hot water in, and being frustrated that there wasn't instant coffee there. And, uh, and, and so she was getting angry at this, this cup, and I remember saying, well, you got to stir it. And it was like a light went on, <laughs> like, really? You know, it's just kind of awesome. I love college, and uh, there were some funny stories back then, but uh, uh, I tell you what, after she learned how to make instant coffee, it tasted a lot better to her, which is impressive, right? that instant coffee could taste a lot better. Here we go. Uh, it, it is. I'm going I'm to uh, pour a bunch of grounds in the cup, and then we're going to throw some hot water on it. And then I'm hoping during the week and maybe coming weeks, as you reflect on all the Scriptures that are on the bottom of your handout today, uh, I, I, this would be one of those great talks to, to look at your version on your phone or grab a Bible if you have one and look these up and say, okay, what is my role in this? And how can I stir it up further to where I can get that much more out of the intent of these passages for my life individually and for us corporately? And so that's the goal today. Uh, let's, let's start tossing some stuff in the cup here. Psalm 116, 5 through 6 says this, The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the simple-hearted, When I was in great need, he saved me. I had an interesting discovery concerning this passage this week as I was studying it. The word compassion means literally to suffer with. To suffer with. We 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 use the word compassion. We there's organizations out there called Compassion Whatever, Compassion International, Compassion, you know, companies that make a difference in this world, but compassion literally means to suffer with. The ultimate picture of through the intent of this whole series is that we would suffer with those around us, right? That we would, we would be so close, so connected in life with others that we would love them enough and authentically and genuinely enough that even if they're facing injustice, we would suffer through that with them, being advocates for them. They're desperate for that. 
So some correction came to the spiritual community at the, towards the end of Jesus' ministry. He said this in Matthew 23, and we can learn something from it. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. We must be people generous in the practices of justice and not just the provision necessary for the practices. Isn't it easier at times to write the check or to give to that organization and believe that's my only participation necessary? But the matters of justice are not just charity. It's not solely a matter of charity. It's a matter of us practicing this principle of, of justice, like living it out in time spent, if you would. We must practice walking through life with the weak and the suffering at the hand of those who are abusing power. Injustice could be summed up as an abuse of power, the more powerful, subduing unlawfully the weak, taking advantage of their circumstances and poverty, taking advantage of their hunger, taking advantage of their lack of water, taking advantage of whatever the injustice is that they are facing. Our light will shine brighter in that world of injustice because light wins out over darkness. I don't know if you've ever done that, lit a candle in a pitch black room. It's blinding. But if I went outside, amazing, the sun's actually shining, and I lit a candle, it's not really going to make a big impact, right? But oftentimes, we don't light our candles where they're needed most, us being the candle. Isaiah 1.17 says, learn to do right. Seek justice and courage, or in some translations, it would say, Re, or rescue, encourage the oppressed, defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. John Stuart Mills wrote an essay called On Liberty in 1859. Mill was uh, trying to, to explain the process by which words lose their meaning. And he, he casually offered that the best example of this phenomenon of words losing their meaning was Christians. And uh, uh, here's three quotes from his essay. Christians, he observed, seem to have the amazing ability to say the most wonderful things without actually believing them. They say, uh, uh, the saying of Christ coexists passively in their minds producing hardly any effect beyond what is caused by mere listening to words so amiable and bland. And then there, here's the clincher, and I think I put it in your hand out there. Perhaps my life need not be, in fact, so manifestly shriveled and mediocre if I began to act as if what Jesus said were actually true. Whoa. Let that sink in. What if we lived the instructions of Jesus as if they intended action? You know, obviously, on the back of your connection card, every 
week, we put my next step. This might be the first time you've seen this card, but if you flip the information side over to the back, there's responses, there's actions you can take because we believe in application. We believe in the action driven from the text. And what if Jesus actually intended, which He did, action from this passage in Matthew 5.14? You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Maybe you've heard it said before, there's no plan B in the church. You are the only plan. You are the light of the world. You. Justice is awaiting you. Isaiah 117 again. Let me read it again. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Who's supposed to do that? You are the light of the world. You. Herein lies the challenge, though. It's not easy. Right? In fact, Jesus identified this himself when he said in Matthew 10, 16, in the first part of this verse, he says, I'm sending you out. He's sending his disciples out to do ministry. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Well, that's encouraging. You mean, right? It's like, well, Jesus loves me, so hi, wolves. I don't know if you've seen Liam Neeson's movie, right? (laughs) The wolves are not friendly. I think it ends with him dying. You just don't see that. But did I ruin that for somebody? If you haven't seen that movie, like, it's old, so you should have rented it at Redbox by now. They have a freed code today, so maybe go watch. I just ruined the ending. But anyway, uh, you know, the wolves win, and that's not good when evil dominates. But you you look at the wolves, and you just go, I'm a sheep. I love you. I'm your father. I'm your God. Go, you're going to get eaten by a wolf. That's not what Jesus says here, but we hear that, don't we? Why would I willingly wander out into a pack of wolves as a sheep? Well, the only reason you'd do that is if you had a shepherd next to you with a big old stick whacking those wolves and just, just making sure that they're not devouring you. Isn't it good news that Jesus said, and lo, I will be with you always to the very end of the age? Brings a whole new meaning to that when you know that there's wolves trying to devour you. Now it's important to have a shepherd. That's the Jesus we serve. He sticks with us, but He is sending us out like sheep among wolves. It's interesting news, and uh, we're called to go into the darkness where the wolves hang out, right? When it becomes night, the wolves come out, and they prey upon the weak. They prey upon the sheep who have wandered. Who did Jesus come to save? In Scripture, it tells us that Jesus came to save the lost sheep. Jesus' intent in coming was to empower us to be the light of the world, to go out as sheep among wolves, because we have to find the lost sheep. It means we're going to be going out into dark places as a light where we're needed most. Arrows out. We are light, the power over darkness, where wolves thrive and devour the weak. Colossians 1.13 says, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, 
in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Isn't this great news? This is the good news. The gospel means good news. The good news is Jesus forgave us of our sins, but not just that. God inspires us to go into the darkness to rescue those who are victims of injustice without our presence there. You can probably tell I'm a little bit passionate about this subject. So anyway, going on. In the book, which I would challenge all of you to read someday, uh, it's called Just Courage by Gary Haugen, the president and director of International Justice Mission. So the book is Just Courage. It's a great inspirational read if you like this topic. In fact, I stole most of the talk, very Christian-like, from him and that book. So, uh, I did a reread this week. So, <laughs> anyway, it was good material, obviously. Uh, and and, uh, and this is a quote from it. In taking on the forces of aggressive evil, love that term, we have found a place where we desperately need our Father's help and where He is delighted to provide it. This is not a resignation of my gifts or passions or training, but a deployment of those endowments to a place beyond safety, beyond my ability to control the outcome, and beyond my own power to succeed. It's a place where God is desperately needed and a work in which He delights to engage, for it is, it is His own work. They go into the darkest of scenarios and they prosecute the oppressors. They, they literally are a team of Christian, passionate warriors that go out and uh, risk their own lives daily to save those who are enslaved all around this globe. Let me rattle off some instructions from God, and then I'll give you some points, and then uh, we'll move on with our week and hopefully just allow the coffee grounds we're pouring in to kind of turn into coffee and not just a bunch of coffee grounds floating on water. Here we go, Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is Jesus speaking, and He's reading a passage from Isaiah. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Psalm 82, 3 through 5. Defend the cause of the weak and fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundation of the earth are shaken. Psalm 103, 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Psalm 146, 5 through 9, he upholds, or I guess it's 7 through 9, he upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lights or lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien. The Lord sustains the fatherless and widow, but he frustrates the way of the wicked. I mean, the passages just go on and on and on. And for the sake of time, let's move on. With all these truths and the potential as 
redemptive practitioners, if you will, in the planet that we have the potential to be, why do we not seek justice for the oppressed? That's a, I'm a question asker, and I just read these passages, and I'm like, okay, God, here I am, use me, right? But then you got to think, I'm wired a certain way. I would run into a fire and try to find somebody to save them. Not everybody's wired that way. So, why? Three primary factors I think we should consider as to why we don't engage justice. The first, and it's not in a bad way, ignorance. <clears throat> My pastor just called me ignorant. <laughs> no, no, ignorance. I didn't say you're ignorant. I just said we, we, we don't know better. We don't necessarily know better. I don't know if you just enjoy reading bad news. If you do, then maybe you know better. But if we believe that the life we live, our nice laws, our yards, our cars, our readily accessible water is normality in the world, then we're off a bit, a lot of bit. We have a warped picture of what real life is like. The world is filled with millions of people who are crying out to God in complete despair just to make it through today. They're suffering injustice, be it because of poverty or slavery, disease, unlawfulness. There are people desperate to be rescued, and you and I actually have the means to rescue them, or we know those who can do the rescuing if we'll just take courage and become comfortable with the risk of redemption. Sometimes ignorance is the reason we don't act. The second thing is despair. It's the opposite of ignorance, right? It's, I know too much information about the need. In fact, I know so much that I'm overwhelmed and paralyzed by the measure of the task at hand. I don't know where to start. Because it's like a billion people don't have clean drinking water? Where do I start? With one? Right? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. I've never done it, but I've heard the quote. You know, I haven't eaten el- anybody else eating elephant poachers. Anyway, okay, so uh, I was like, you know, I was like, no, I haven't done that. Uh, maybe someday, but the 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 picture here is so huge, oftentimes that that it overwhelms us, and and so our coping mechanism is to turn the other way when the need presents itself, instead of running towards the darkness and approaching the wolves and trusting God. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10 says this about that. (laughs) Uh, He said to me, speaking of Jesus, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. There's good news here that when we don't feel we have the answers and we don't feel we have the strength and we don't feel we have the means to solu- of solution for an injustice, that's when God comes in. Maybe that's the very space we should be finding ourselves and mustering up our courage, not just individually, but together our resources to courageously pursue injustice. 
The third is probably the most obvious, fear. So let's bring into balance ignorance and despair, and that's when we're dealing with fear, the element of fear. Let's face it. We seek control, normality, uh, consistency. I'm like as OCD as they come. I just want, you know, honestly, the lopsided sound thing. If I was sitting back there in the back, I would just be going, how do I get the power on on that one speaker? You know, that's how bad I am. So that's just the way I function, right? In, in life, disorder would drive me nuts, but yet because we fear disorder and because we fear the unknown, we just avoid the realities of injustice in our world. We want our families to be in great schools. We want them to be fed consistently, right? We want to have great neighbors. We don't want to willingly put ourselves in unknown or harm's way even. While we have a prime drive to be a lamp, unhidden and and bright inside, or I should say a primal drive to be that lamp and to be the ones running into the darkness. Uh, we, if we're afraid of the darkness, it will paralyze us. Did a missions trip to, to a place called Solid Rock. It was a church plant on the outskirts of Detroit. And I remember showing up there with our team and, and praying with a bunch of the students that, that landed there and we were in this, this church. And, and one of our students in the group said, you know, I, I got to tell you, Pastor Thad, I'm there's something in me that I just want to pray. I, I want to pray that we, like, we could do some dangerous ministry. I was like, oh, be careful what you pray, right? And it uh, made me a little nervous. In that very moment, uh, well, okay, so I'd read this article in the paper. It was in the time that uh, Doc Martens were, like, popular, if you're wearing those. It's okay still. Anyway, uh, but it was back in that day. And somebody, like right before we went on this trip, I was, we were reading an article, and somebody in, in this one part of Detroit uh, was killed for their Doc Martens. And so it made me a little nervous, you know, when we was uh, bringing a bunch of students wearing Doc Martens to Detroit, and you're like, oh, no. Anyway, so, uh, but we prayed hard, right? So we enter into this place, and I was like, Tony, don't say that, you know, danger. Next thing you know, the pastor's like, everybody stay in the room. We just want you to begin to pray for a gentleman that's really angry at the church. We're like, okay, well, what should we pray? Well, he's outside trying to burn the church down. And we're going, and you want us to stay in the church that he wants to burn down? Danger. But yet, something about that felt like we were in the right place. I told Tony, told you not to pray that, right? I was like, what are you doing? The next, we're doing a prayer walk after that, and these guys threaten to shoot us. It was an awesome trip, and I hope you send your students with us on mission trips in the future. Anyway, is that a good spiel? Bruce is so much more responsible than I am, so he'll take great care of you. Uh, I just look at that, and I go, here's the deal. First John 4.18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Here's we just need to love people enough to go anywhere for them if God calls us to walk through that door. So now you got a bunch of uh, grounds in the cup, and we've poured some hot water on, but let's, let's begin to stir this thing, stir it up. And what do these passages teach us about injustice? What can we have as takeaways today, if you would? What actions can we take 
and be a solution together for injustice. The first thing we need to do is educate. We won't ignore injustice, right? We, we're supposed to be light and darkness. We need to not ignore it. How many, uh, you know, uh, if you snag that book, uh, Just Courage, uh, wherever, uh, then you'll be able to read through and just be impassioned. Maybe we just need to educate. What's really happening with injustice in our world? The more you know, the more you'll actually be broken and pray for those who are suffering from injustice. The more you pray, the more your heart will grow for that need. The more you're aware of that need, the more you'll engage and you'll allow others to come alongside and engage together with you and be inspired with different causes and injustices we can take on. Second thing you need to do is explore. So you educate and then you explore. Once you learn of something, explore like, okay, how could I do this? This is truly the opposite of ignore, right? Begin to just explore and see what possibilities are out there in this realm of injustice. What could, what could I do? Could we do? We found out, you know, going to Indonesia this summer, that uh, going, going to a place like Sarabaya, Indonesia, the best practice is to go there uh, to book your tickets 10 or more people and 331 days in advance. So as we go this summer as a family, and, and yeah, my, I tell bad stories about mission trips, and then I'm taking my family to Surabaya, Indonesia. This is going to be awesome. We may make it home. You know, anyway, so we, uh, we go there, and, and we're going to do basically a big setup trip so that we can go in future years and find the injustices there. And how can open life here be a partner with ICA Surabaya over there? How can we network our resources together? How can we not just give but go? How can we go see the wells and the water purification systems we just paid for and built in Rwanda? It was funny because a friend of mine is there in Rwanda seeing the work that's being done as his role for Starbucks. Anyway, it's just crazy to, to look at how we can engage. We need to explore. How can we take a next step and go beyond knowledge and allow the Holy Spirit to open doors? And, and as Jesus says over and over again in Scripture, He says, lift up your eyes. Look to the field. We need to do that. We need to lift up our eyes. We need to look and see and explore. Don't look away. Don't be reactionary that way. We actually need to have a run into the mess reaction. Lift up your eyes. Exploring also humanizes injustice. See, when you hear something like the statistic, which is true, 27 million people are in slavery today. We thought maybe that slavery was over, but actually the biggest injustice in, in, in slavery in our world right now is sex trafficking. It's trafficking humans. It's promising them work, but they find themselves in a brothel after taken from their parents. It's happening globally. One of the largest markets for that is in Sarabaya. It just passed up Bangkok and Phnom Penh as the largest red light district, and many of those were taken. So I look at these things, and I, I look at these injustices and say, man, that's overwhelming. 27 million, the reality that every 30 seconds someone is enslaved in the world today. It's huge and almost despairing, right, until we attach a name to it. 
When you explore, you humanize the problem because you end up hearing stories of some who escaped that injustice. And you, all of a sudden, you have a name. We're going to share one as our giving talk today of someone we helped in our city with the injustice of abuse and fleeing that through Exodus Housing, one of our strategic partners. I tell you what, injustice is all around us. And once you humanize it, once you attach a face to it and a name to it, you realize there's one more name I could be a part. It causes you to spring into action, which is our third point, engage. Action just takes the first person. Be that person. Be the person to move. We know we are sheep sent to wolves, right? I mean, we've discovered that. But again, the good news is Jesus is with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. God is protecting us. It says in Scripture, He's our rear guard. Like He's all around us. He goes before us. He prepares the work in advance for us to do, Ephesians 2, 10. We're the ones just carrying out the task. He's already laid the groundwork. Jesus is here with us no matter how dark it is where we go. That's why it does drive us to pray. The more word we get in us, the more we believe this. That's it's pretty important to have some form of daily reading plan in a Bible. Mother Teresa said this. She couldn't imagine doing her work for more than 30 minutes without prayer. Is our life true of that? We just don't live in that place, do we? But what if we had involvement in arenas like that? Tell you what, I pray every day for the missionaries that are in Sarabaya because I know the dangers they face. I pray for our trip there too because I know the dangers we'll face while we're there. As Westerners traveling, we need to be praying. It's a new world we live in. Two final illustrations that just rock my world for the, the sake of injustice. Matthew 25, 31 says this. Jesus is providing an illustration of just how surprising sometimes it can be uh, for us to meet the needs of injustice. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He'll sit on His throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He'll separate the people, one from another, as shepherd separates sheep from goats. He'll put the sheep on his right, the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes, you clothed me. I was sick, you looked after me. I was in prison, you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty or give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or need clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. That's the Jesus we serve. Whatever we do, for those who are suffering injustice, it's as unto the Lord Himself. And He'll say to us, well done. He'll say, blessed are you. That's the reception we are going to receive in heaven. 
those who choose to follow Jesus and do work for His glory and not our own fame. We need His strength. We need Him as our shepherd and not try to go amongst the wolves without His covering and protection. We need this growing relationship with Jesus so that we can do the things that rock our heart that are the injustices of the world. The key here in this passage, when we see, we do. That's what those guys did. They didn't even realize it. If we live out an action-oriented reaction to injustice, we'll stumble upon the solution without even knowing it, as indicated by the response of the righteous in this illustration. And then finally, each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's the first four books of the New Testament, each one of those inside of them contain the story of this miracle Jesus had 5,000 people in a crowd listening to him teach, and he said to his disciples that were saying to him, we got to let them go. They're hungry. He says, well, feed them. They're like, we don't have food. But there's this child who said, I do. And he had five loaves of bread and two little fish, and Jesus blesses it, and it feeds everyone, and they had leftovers. An incredible story. And in that story, for the sake of time, I won't read it, it illustrates to us that we offer to God what we have, our gifts, time, and passion. But God does the miracle. We offer to Him what we are. We just say, okay, God, I'm willing. We don't have to be the ones with the answer. We just have to bring our unique wiring to the table and say, this is my strength. This is my gift. How can I help? How can I be willing? Maybe some of you have seen the injustice and you could say, I know of someone we can partner with. I know of an organization. I know of an injustice. Let's help. We need to run towards global slavery. We need to run towards fatherlessness. We need to run towards poverty. We need to run towards human rights issues that impassion us. We need to run towards sex trafficking. We need to run towards abuse. We need to engage. We're like sheep facing wolves, but we have the shepherd of all shepherds guiding us if we've chosen to follow Jesus. So what's your next step today? Maybe it's choosing to follow Jesus, making that decision, saying, Jesus, okay, I want to grow in relationship with you, and I want to do things that need you. I want to do things bigger than myself that only you can protect me within. Or maybe on the left-hand side of your connection card on the back, maybe you just need to learn more about injustice. Maybe you need to start by praying for the oppressed. You know of someone who's oppressed. Maybe you know of someone being abused in their own context. Begin to lift them up in prayer. What can you do? Take action towards visible needs. Have an action reaction to injustice. Now it's up to you to stir it this week. I believe this is one of those talks that as we review these passages and we just make these, as we ask God, what do you have for me in these? We're going to start to see some people's passions well up like never before. Like an out-of-control fire, if you would. I hope that's the response from today. God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to open up your word. And I know each person in here has a different bend towards injustice. They're in a different place. 
Give us an understanding. Help us to be those who would lift our eyes up and see and hear the needs around us. Help us to be those who would engage. Help us to be people of action and not just listening uh, uh, to, to words of yours as if they have no actionable meaning or reality for our life today. And for those who've yet to make that decision to follow you, may they do that simple thing right now. May they just say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to know what it is to to grow in belief in in you. And and may this be a week where they cross over into uh, a life of, of choosing to follow Christ and experiencing your protection and power as they face injustice as they go out as as sheep among wolves and make a difference in darkness. God, set us on fire for you. Let us be a light because we know that you challenged us to be the light in darkness. God, may we be that people. May we be the people that look to the lost and those who are just being devoured by the wolves of our world. May we be the ones that come alongside and provide light and hope and peace. It's so desperately needed. And we give you thanks for stirring that desire within us. In Jesus' name, amen.